0: Support for Tantrum comes from MailChimp, celebrating creativity, chaos, and teamwork since
1: 2001. MailChimp, send better email. The podcast you are about to hear is about raising kids, but it's for adults. There are curse words and talk of grown up things. So make with the headphones. Welcome to Tantrum. This is from Charlie. My child's first sip of wine was at a preschool function. <laughs> I was drinking white wine out of a yellow plastic cup. My daughter asked my wife for a sip of daddy's water. And then, cling, she got a mouthful of sauvignon blanc. She said, there's something really wrong with this water.
0: Tantrum is a podcast for grown-ups about raising kids.
1: I'm Kate. And I'm Allison. Today we'll hear from Chris Alonzo, who read at our September show at Kavarna.
2: You know, everything that we know, everything that we do even as adults, everything we experience in our life, like it's all made up. Like, this is what a salad fork looks like. Uh, that's where we're going to drive. Not those shoes, these shoes. And then we pile all of those intricacies together, and then our children are born, and then we hand them that web, and we're like, here you go, memorize this. And that's a society...
0: Chris talked about his unique family arrangement and how it looks nothing like what society tells you it's supposed to look like, and yet it works, except when it doesn't.
1: Right. I mean, I can certainly relate to that, that um, a family is not always what you think a family is going to look like. And for the most part, you can, you can make it fly. And then you have these moments where you're like, um, this is awkward and um, this is painful. But I think even a traditional looking family probably goes through that. Yeah.
0: We're having kind of a stressful week in my family. So uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. You were saying something about wanting to maybe change preschools or what's going on with that?
0: Yeah. So uh, Bird goes to this lovely daycare in, and and it's, it's daycare. Definitely. It's not preschool and it's in our neighborhood and they're very kind. They're very loving. Um, but there've just been a few things that have come up that have made me think okay I think I think we're ready to switch um good things about his daycare again they're very loving it's the kind of th- place where you walk through the door and all the ladies know it's your birthday and they bring all the kids out and they start yeah. singing happy birthday to you and they know bird and he knows all of them and he goes up and I'll, like hug them and they and all know each other there, it's very it like. very comfortable um at the same time, I mean, shoestring budget. All the the books are like ripped and kind of crappy looking. The toys are kind of crappy looking. For for his food, I just you know we give him we we actually pack him along a lunch every day, um, just food that we've eaten, because I don't really like the lunches that they give. It's no, they kind provide
1: of, lunch. They do but provide you lunch. to pack one. Okay. Right,
0: right. But it's kind of like USDA. It'll be like chicken fingers or you know stuff right. like that, which is like. Fine, but I'm snobby and just not into, like, giving him fried food and, and that kind of thing. And so, like, you, the question that you start to ask yourself, though, as you look at other daycares is what is necessary and what isn't? You know, there's this whole idea of, like, early childcare. Like, when I was a really little kid, I, I we did a couple of things. Like, I went to a nursery school that my mom taught at and I found out and and I have all these great memories of it. It was like this wonderful hippie nursery school. But I learned later that the only reason I could go is that my mom taught there. So like I could go for free. Like Mm -hmm. there's no way my parents could have ponied up for that place otherwise. And then when I was really little, I also like sort of the opposite extreme. There was this woman – named mrs weber who lived on our street and like she just had like this room full of broken toys and a baby gate and like all the neighborhood kids were thrown in there
1: <laughs> like that's my house occasionally.
0: <laughs> and she would just sit in this like this like ripped up lazy boy with with duct tape all over it mm-hmm. you know it's so funny i start talking about this how quickly it gets to class issues though you know what i mean
1: Although I mean my couch is like literally falling apart and ripped and probably needs some duct tape, maybe she just knew if all of the children were in her house that it wasn't worth having a nice chair. I'm yeah. just going to say that as a side note sure. But yes, this is definitely a class issue and about what you can afford for your children and what you can't and and, and something I've been wondering lately like is how how
0: much does he really need and how and, and at what point do some of these things like organic paints? at what point does it become sort of fetishism of childhood like this idea that that i as a 30 something year old woman have of like how beautiful and romantic childhood could be like some of these things i'm like he doesn't really need those those things like he's perfectly happy like like he one of his favorite books at home is a ripped up book it's this ripped up old mcdonald book and he'll carry around like the two pages of the board book that are left that are broken and he'll like look at them over and over again.
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think it's whether or not you feel that your child is safe and that the people who are caring for your child are educated themselves about what children need at that specific age in order to grow physically and emotionally. Um, And I don't know if it comes down to the, resources except i think to get that kind of continuing education about what is best and healthiest for children probably goes hand in hand with resources because you have to you have to take time to educate your staff right and to upgrade whatever your facility is if something is now out of code or no longer considered safe so Yeah. Yeah. Bird is not yet to. And I
0: I think the solution we've arrived at is to apply for uh, there's a different place I have my eye on that that I'm that looks really good. (laughs) That's a lot more expensive. Um, And we're probably going to apply there for to aim at him going somewhere between like when he's two and a half and three, because at that point, then it really is going to start to matter to me sort of what his curriculum looks like.
1: Yeah. And I was actually talking last night with a friend about um, college and, you know, these private colleges that are just so unbelievably expensive now. And at this point, we can see no possible way of our children attending those schools. I mean, even if they got some sort of scholarship and we're going to do loans and all of that, I don't know if I'd want them to take out those kinds of loans against their future. And so, you know, we got into that kind of discussion and kind of what it ended up coming down to is like right now I need to believe that my kids will be fine if they don't go to college at all and they just have a bunch of kind of like apprenticeships and or they take online courses or they go to a state school whatever it is I need to believe that they will be fine and they will make the most of that because that's all I that's all I know that I can offer at this point but if I'm honest if I You know, my career takes off. There's suddenly I find that we have a lot more money. I'm going to open those doors. I'm going to open those doors to those other possibilities. So I think if you have the money, you're going to say, Well, I might as well go somewhere that has organic paint and really healthy lunches. And if you don't have the money, then you are, you say, This is okay. This is going to be fine. My child's going to be fine because that's just how you have to cope with where you are.
0: Yeah, it's 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 something that I think that we all kind of go through in terms of asking ourselves, okay, what does my kid really need, and what is sort of gravy.
1: I think a lot of the things are are, are gravy. I mean, one of the things I like about where Merit just started in daycare is that they like they're so hippy dippy, but they have like just sand and buckets and wood toys. I just I appreciate that the people who work there are very committed to learning about early childhood education and what matters.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So on the other hand, can I tell you about something that happened this morning real quick? Um, and, and I promise we'll, we'll get to our parental moment of glory. Uh, I was at the playground this morning and just started chatting with, 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 with a parent. who um, seemed really nice, really nice guy. Actually, this probably, I probably won't put this in the podcast. Cause I'm like, what if they listen? They're not going to listen. Um,
1: Until they do.
0: (laughs) And it turned out he takes his kids to the school that we're considering. And so they were like, oh, they could be classmates. And we, like, met and introduced names. And then um, he asked how old Bird was. And I told him, like, oh, he's 20 months. And uh, their child was two years. And she was really verbal, like, really, like, good at sort of communicating with her parents and stuff. Just, like, much like. Way beyond where Bird is now, sure. And I, I commented on that. I was, I commented on that. I just said, like, oh wow, her her verbal skills are amazing, you know, and that's great. And he said, oh yeah, thanks. And he said, ask me how old Bird was, and I told him. And then he said, well, where does he stand? And I was just like, completely taken off guard. Like, I, I felt like I was supposed to give him a rundown of like his milestones
1: or something. Yeah, like, what does that mean? Where does he stand? Like he stands now, and I he walks know. too. I don't, know. Like, I don't know. It was what so it was
0: so weird, and like something in my and you know, I just said like, oh, it's so great, it's so charming. He makes up his own words for things. He has a lot mm-hmm. of like words that he has made up that mean other things, or like he listened to the podcast and he was like, I know
1: he doesn't say mommy. I know he doesn't
0: say mommy. <laughs> he started saying he says mama now. He does actually. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's a great development. There we go. Great milestone. But like. um so, you know, I just said something like about, about that. And um, then we actually we had a really nice conversation. But somewhere in the back of my head, I thought, like, if we go to this new daycare, it's going to be full of, like, these parents who, like, are, like, snobby in that, like, in that particular way of, like, where are he, where does he stand in his milestones and, like, you know, not just kind of laid back. And, like, whatever, if you get by – because actually later that – later also at the farmer's market we ran into – um, a woman from our current daycare, another mother, and, like, we were joking about, like, I don't know, our kids eating donuts and stuff like that. And I was like,
1: you're my people. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have overheard other parents sort of talking in that really, like, I'm pushing my kid to be the most amazing, take a million courses and read by the time you're three and a half and stuff. But none of the parents that I hang out with are like that i i almost feel like it's more of a fear than a reality like i i think we're all just kind of like wanting our kids to be okay i think you're right it was probably just my interpretation in that moment
0: and the fact that the little girl was she was sitting in a regular swing it wasn't a bucket swing she was sitting in a regular swing and pumping and she's two Mm -hmm. and i was like wow so i was comparing
1: Mm mm-hmm Have you seen that Louis C.K. episode where, like, his daughter is such an amazing violinist and there's this other parent sort of, like, comparing or saying, like, oh, my gosh, she's, you know, I I feel like she's so much better than, than my daughter. And he's like, she is. She just is. Like, she is significantly better than your kid. She's very talented. I don't know what to say. I You know, like... But this whole thing of trying to, like, apologize when your kid is exceptional and, like, not let anybody know when your kid's this, like, flopping mess and I don't know. <laughs> right.
0: No, absolutely. And I think, like, all of us in our minds, like, we really just want to know our kids are okay. And and we get into this loop, or at least I do, I get into this loop of just comparing um, or, like, imagining someone else's comparing and feeling, like, immediately defensive. I'm a bad person. No.
1: I have done that a lot with my neighbor who has a child that's a year, a grade behind Alice. She is an amazing reader. I mean, she is reading at like a 10-year-old level, and she's not even seven yet. And I'm kind of a, I'm mad at myself because I think I compared Alice and thought that Alice was a worse reader. I don't think Alice has been an amazing reader. I think she's been a very average reader. But I think that I thought that maybe she was worse than she was because I was comparing her to this other child across the street. That was just kind of blowing my mind. And I finally had to, like, realize and time has proven that, like, that kid is exceptional and great, good for her. And my kid is average in that way. And that's perfectly fine, too. She's mm-hmm. learning to read. So, yeah, you know, it's hard, though. You're not a bad person. Yeah. We're, we're all...
0: We're all bad people. (laughs) (laughs) And we actually ask our listeners to share their moments like this with us. We call it parental moments of glory. These are your moments of parenting failure or brilliance or hilarity or discovery.
1: And we actually had a couple from our live show that we didn't get a chance to read there. And we really like them. So we'd like to share one of those with you now.
0: Yeah, I really liked this one. Um, This is from Katie, and Katie writes, My parental moment of glory is being eager to attend a play date. I got the date wrong. When I was halfway to the destination, 45 minutes away, I realized I was a week early. I used my newfound flexibility and took us to Hippo Hop. Free coffee from ten to twelve, and plenty of play for my little guy who doesn't care where he is if he can run around. That's awesome. Go, Katie. Yes, and and so Hippo Hop for folks who don't know, it's like one of those. You're, you're looking at me like with this like expression, like
1: yeah. I I guessing what it is is like an indoor playground or something, but I haven't ever been.
0: Yeah, exactly. I haven't been yet either. Listeners, you can let us know what you think of Hippo Hop. Um, it's like an indoor play playground
1: kind of place. But I feel like we should just talk for a minute about like playdates in general and how I don't think we called them playdates growing up. I never remember it being like, I have a playdate with Sam. Like it was just like, can you come over and play? Yeah, but we I do definitely think didn't. think they're essential. I think that's the way that not only do you socialize with other parents but then your kid like I love that Merritt's getting to know these other moms and when she's I mean she's getting to be the age that I can drop her off and she's familiar with not only their kids and likes to play with them but also with the grown-up and that's how freedom is earned. (laughs) Yeah I think it's great because it
0: acknowledges that you are a person as a parent um, in a way because Toddlers, when they're, you know, a certain age, they don't care who they're playing with. Like, they're just kind of playing by themselves in a group. Um, And it acknowledges that you, as a human being, need to get out of the house and uh, socialize with other Um, Mm grown-ups, you know, to to varying degrees of success, because you're maybe interrupted every, you know, 45 seconds.
1: But yeah, that you still want to make friends, even if you now have kids.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that before I had kids, like this idea of a play date just really, I had these like really stereotypical ideas of what it was. I imagine like these terrible women sitting around drinking wine while their kids played. And I think this image is really influenced by our society's tendency to belittle women and women's endeavors like mothering. Because you know the truth is as we've said if you don't have playdates you'll end up often just kind of by yourself in a house with a toddler and that can be really lonely and that can be really isolating and what's wrong with women sitting around drinking wine together
1: like nothing wrong with that man well and it's a way of like making the job something you enjoy the job of motherhood as opposed to something that you resent because when you work outside of the home, you have colleagues. And I consider when I sit around and drink, whether it's LaCroix or wine or coffee with other moms, that I am having my colleagues. I am having a discussion that engages my mind as an adult rather than being trapped in kidland.
0: You know, I really admire that um, as somebody who... I'm sort of part time in my professional world, and then part time not. Uh, I don't really go to play dates, and but I I did when I was on maternity leave, and it was a godsend during that time. But I feel like I haven't really found that that sort of play date community, and and so you know all of this said, I totally get Katie here being willing to drive 45 minutes to reach a play date. Absolutely. And then how awesome to be able to turn that situation around and, and say, this is going to be a great parenting situation anyway. Mm-hmm. Going to Hippo Hop, I'm drinking my coffee. Mm-hmm. That's great. Rock on, Katie. You know, you can actually share your parenting moment of glory with us by calling 678-379-3748.
1: Okay, let's hear one more from our most recent show. That was in September at Kavarna. This person writes, my name
0: is Brianna. And my parental moment of glory is when I was so excited to take my son to his annual doctor's visit because he ate really well. And I had been prepping him, naming all of the fruits and vegetables that he ate so he could tell the doctor. Finally, the moment arrived, and the doctor asked, Lloyd, what do you like to eat? He responded simply,
1: dog food and cat food. <laughs> Thank you, Brianna. Don't forget that you can call in with your own parental moment of glory and you might hear it on the podcast or we might use it at our next live show. You can leave a message and here's the number 678-379-3748.
0: I love how you say that so slowly and
1: carefully, Alison. <laughs> it's just so, it's, it's, it's really nice for our listeners I've been on the other end of it where I'm sitting there being like, what did they say? What did they say? What was that say? number? What was it? What was it? Um, and please do come to our next show. It's going to be on Saturday, November 5th at Cavarna. Okay. It's time now for our featured storyteller, Chris Alonzo. So when I think of Chris Alonzo, I think of some of the best
0: work I've seen on stage at places like seen missing. Where's Chris? Hey, come on over. So didn't I see you once, like, you spent an entire reading, like, covered in Ghostbuster slime? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I made uh,
2: Ghostbusters 2 slime for seeing missing for their first show. Yeah, it
0: was like the whole reading, and I was like, damn, that's dedication. So anyway, Chris is a writer and musician and producer whose plays and solo shows have been performed in New York, Austin, Dallas, Auburn, and Atlanta. He wants you to know that he has no chill. Please welcome Chris Alonzo.
2: Thank you, guys. We don't live here. I don't actually live here anymore. Um, uh, And I got to spend the day with my two roommates, uh, who are uh, my son uh, and his mother, uh, my ex-wife. So we lived together uh, in a small house in Alabama. Uh, For a while I lived here uh, after the divorce. Uh, when, the, when the divorce was fresh and we couldn't really be around each other I lived here for a couple of years uh, And I would go back and forth between uh, Atlanta and Alabama And uh, just, you know, was rocking the divorce dad special You know, where you're, you know, you know, every other weekend And I'd get him for two out of every 14 days And then drive him back, and then I'd come back here And then I would, you know, turn the clock And it would be 12 days until the next time I got to see my son And that was, uh, as you can imagine, uh, 12 days filled with A lot of very heavy drinking and uh, wondering about the price of handguns. But I, uh, you know, I beat the clock on that. Uh, We won. And sometime, after a couple of years, my wife out of nowhere, um, or my ex-wife out of nowhere, said, Why don't you, I'm looking at a house. Why don't you come live with us again? And I went ahead and did it. And I'm here to tell you that we put our shit aside. And it's working. It is absolutely working. And we have the happiest kid in the world. I'm not saying there aren't issues that pop up here and there. Uh, I'll go ahead and and answer the one question that I know uh, that you have uh, right now um, about the doing it. Uh, (laughs) Not so much with the doing it. And it's fine that that is the first question—the first question that came into your head. I've, when I tell people about our situation, it is usually the first question that people have, and it's frankly the first question that I have in like any situation. Like, like all I genuinely care about ever is—is uh, is, uh, what about the doing it, and and where do they poop? Those are the only two. If I am asking you a a, a question other than those two, I don't actually care what the answer is. This couple lived in a tree to protest landmines for a year. Mr. Alonso, you had a question? Uh, actually, two. (laughs) (laughs) So, I understand. Uh, About, oh, where do we poop? We poop in, there's one bedroom. It's a very small house. We're piled right on top of each other. We're fine with that. Uh, Baby mama and I met, and we were married in New York City. We're used to very small quarters. We frankly don't want a big house at this point. And we've been together. We've been dating. We first started dating 12 years ago. We have a very intimate relationship at this point. It's just, you know, uh, at a certain point in the evening, we uh, separate. And she goes to her bedroom. I have my bedroom on the other side of the house. Our son is in between us. And he doesn't know that it's weird. And that's really what I wanted to talk about. And the thing that I wanted to like throw out uh, to you guys today that isn't—it's uh, kind of pat, like it's just a thing, but it's true—that kids are resilient, and we are the ones that we have to worry about because we're the ones who, are, like, our brains are, are very fragile and, and kind of we we've been warped by like 40 years of like whatever we think is supposed to be happening at a given moment. And like, kids just roll with it. Kids just know, you know. and, and my son at this point has not been told that it's a sad thing that his parents are not married to each other, so he's not sad. He doesn't know. My son does not know that this is a weird living situation, so he's not weirded out by it. If anything, he goes to other people's houses, and he's like, why do their mommy and daddy sleep in the same bed? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) Believe me, I don't know. (laughs) so it's interesting to see that and to and to keep that in mind you know when i'm it's made me think a lot about the, the way that we teach our children the way that we introduce them to the world because it makes me think about this thing where like you know everything that we know everything that we do even as adults everything we experience in our life like it's all made up it's all just nothing it's just somebody a millennia ago invented this game and they're just you know, threw out all the rules for it, and then here we are. You know, when, when we come to the game, and we're like, oh, okay, sure, and we just do it because we don't know what else to do. And we're just like, you know, uh, this is what a salad fork looks like. Uh, that's where we're going to drive. Not those shoes. These shoes. And then we pile all of those intric- intricacies together in this insane little web. And then our children are born, and then we hand them that web, and we're like, here you go, memorize this. And that's a society. <laughs> <laughs> But it's all made up, and we can change it at any given time. And, and, and I've really enjoyed seeing that happen with him. There's still, like, basic things that he notices. You notice his happiness and, and sadness, you know. And that's why we've tried to make this as normal as possible for him. We've tried to, um, you know, uh, take any sort of ar- awkwardness out of the room. It worked very well, we realized, very early on, because we both still date, and, um, or we had until recently. And we realize... It worked best when we were both dating. We were both dating people who lived out of town. My girlfriend lived here in Atlanta. Hers lived about 45 minutes away in Columbus. And we would just trade weekends, you know, and... uh one weekend my girlfriend would come in and then uh, baby mom would go off with her boyfriend and go be uh, in, in uh, Columbus, in Georgia. Uh, and I would, you know, spend the weekend with my girlfriend taking care of our son and then we'd just flip. And then, you know, the next weekend she and her boyfriend would come in and I would come to Atlanta we went back and forth like that. Uh, we made up rules to make sure that we weren't stepping on each other's toes. Uh, if we passed each other in the halls, it wasn't weird. Uh, and, and my son, for his part, you know, just never thought there was anything unusual about the arrangement. He just thought there were more people that he could be into. And so he was happy about it. He wanted to entertain more people. All it did was add additional people to his list when he started doing the I love mama, I love daddy, I love uh, Abo, I love Oma, I love grandpa Ralph, I love grandma Sylvia, I love Nick, I love Stephanie. And, and he did. That's the hard part. Again, us, not them. You have to be careful when you're dating. You, you have to be careful Who you're letting into your house Who you're letting around the kid Because They're not in control About the comings and goings You just try to make it normal you Try to let him know This isn't a replacement This isn't a new mommy This is a new daddy And that's easy when like, mommy and daddy actually are there You make it normal, you make it fun And we have And it has been very good I think back, it was this time I was coming here for who knows what. And I'm on my knees. And I'm calling to him I'm saying, Jonan, I'm leaving for Atlanta. Come say goodbye to me. And he comes bounding over to me with all of his five-year-old energy and I hug him close and he says, where are you going? I said, you know where I'm going. You're going to Atlanta? I said, yeah, I'm going to Atlanta. And he says... You're going to see Stephanie? No. No, gentlemen. We're not going to be over there anymore. Why? Well, it's complicated. She loves you. It just, it didn't work out. And we're hugging and we're crying and holding each other. And my son breaks my embrace and he takes a step back and with big, fat, angry tears, he screams at me, what did you do? And I was like, what did I do? It takes two to tango. What did I do? What did she do? What did anyone do? What did anyone ever do? I realized I was getting mad at the wrong person. The right person to get mad at was myself. Like I said though, my son sees the normal things My son sees things outside of control He sees happy and he sees sad Just a couple of days ago He found me sitting in my chair And he said, Daddy I found you a new girlfriend I said, you did? Yes And he gave me a partially deflated blue balloon Aww. And then he said, here you go Isn't she pretty? (laughs) And I said, more important, Jonan, isn't she smart? (laughs) Thank you.
1: That's it for Tantrum. We've got some amazing readers slated for our next live shows. We're very excited about it. Please come out to Kavarna and Decatur for those. The next one is Saturday, November 5th. And at that show,
0: you will be reminded that... Raising kids is fun, but hard. Raising kids is life-changing, and yet brain-rotting.
1: This isn't easy, and you're kicking ass. Until next time, I'm Allison Harney.
0: And I'm Kate Sweeney. Thanks to Jeffrey Butzer for letting us use his song, Catherine, for our music. And thanks to Mike Johns for recording the live show at Kavarna. See ya. See ya. I actually remember what uh, cat food kibble tastes like. I don't remember eating it, (laughs) but I know exactly what it tastes like and how, like, the mouthfeel of it. (laughs) So that has to mean that I did that too, right?